You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody, Tim McMaster here along with Scott Merkin, our MLB.com White Sox reporter. The games are underway down in the Cactus League. Unfortunately, Scott, I know you're not down there. Um, Hanging out in Chicago because of back trouble, right? But you'll hopefully be back at it soon, and I know you're staying closely in touch with this club, so we're still going to have a good podcast. Yeah, I have to uh, tip my hat if I was wearing one right now here in Chicago to people like Joe Creedy and Tyler Saladino, just a couple that I've covered who have gone through these back things and i've i've had it before but never were you know it kind of radiates you herniate a disc and it radiates into your leg and you have trouble walking and these guys are out there playing baseball every day let alone trying to walk like you know two or three blocks to to get the muscle working again so it's it's a i don't think people understand and even people you know like ourselves who are close to the game covering and understand how how tough it is for these guys to do it they even jim tomey who just, you know, was uh, rightfully elected to the Hall of Fame. Great man. You know, he dealt with a lot of back issues later in his career. I remember he'd get, you know, he'd get to the ballpark at like 1130 or noon for a 7 o'clock game just to get all his work in and his exercises in. So I I know if these guys, these guys have set the tone for me to overcome it too, and I hope to be back there very, very soon. But Richard Justice, Jesse Sanchez doing a great job of covering while I'm gone. Yeah, it does make you appreciate what these guys are able to do dealing with oh, pain. Yeah. I, I yeah. used to make fun of muscle spasms as a silly injury, and then I started getting them every once in a while, and never some again. Of the stories, some of the stories Joe Creedy told me, and Joe Creedy's back was really bad, you know, through the last. I mean, his he, he would have had probably you know another five or six years, I think, on his career because he was as good a third baseman defensively as as I've watched. I mean, I'm sure there were some bad, you know, as as good earlier on, but. I mean, some of the stories he told me about, like his later years at the White Sox and his, you know, his finish with the Twins and what he went through is just, just kind of, kind of painful to listen to. And now I understand it a little, a little closer to what they were going through. Yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're going to start this podcast by talking about another injury, and that is that of uh, first-round pick from last June, Jake Berger, who has a torn Achilles tendon, which is obviously a tough injury. It's basically one of those you're done for the year. Hopefully he's back ready to go for next spring training. It's also an injury that's it's a tough rehab as well, and he's not a super athletic guy, so maybe it helps him in that sense that he's not a, a speed guy or a burner, but obviously a tough hit for a guy who was ready to get going in his first full professional season. After the injury, uh, Berger spoke a little bit. Let's listen in on what Jake had to say about um, dealing with the injury and trying to come back as soon as he can. Hit a third base and uh, run down to first. Just, uh, I mean, honestly, felt like a gunshot. And, uh, you know, went down, and um, I kind of immediately knew something was wrong. But um, you know, just uh, there's nothing, nothing really to say. It sucks, but you know, I got to stay positive. You know, you just got to think of it positively when something like this happens. Um, you know, you, you have a decision to make. You can either kind of mope around and uh, be disappointed in it, or you can take it as a positive thing and look look at the uh, positives. And, you know, I think this is so, uh, it's, it's kind of an extended off season, you know, um, where I can focus on nutrition, focus on my diet, um, focus on my body. And uh, I actually texted uh, my academic guy down back in Missouri State. I'm going to go back for uh, an intercession course, get uh, three hours in. So, 
I mean, all that stuff, uh, you know, it keep, keeps you going. But, yeah, definitely the fans' outreach and uh, support has been, it's been huge. So, Scott, he seems to have the best attitude about this, which is while I can't play baseball, there's other things that I can work on. Um, he said he's going back to school even. So he's going to uh, work on the education, work on the diet, and, and focus on those things that maybe you don't have the time to when you're at a ball field playing baseball all day every day. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to talk to Jake before he got hurt uh, during spring training, but I did talk to Jake pretty extensively uh, in instructional league back in October when he was drafted, of course, and then at SoxFest when he was there. And he told me a lot about, you know, working with Jim Tomey and how much that had helped him just in a little bit he had done that. And, you know, Ricky Renteria, he's not the first manager who said this, but he uses to describe Nicky Delmonico last year about having that it factor. And Jake Berger has that it factor. You know, you just – you can sense it in certain players that if this guy gets to the majors and – can become any kind of player that he's going to, you know, be a star in this city. I think the city's already embraced him and he's going to be that much more when he gets there. But yeah, this is a tough roadblock because of the fact that really now he was a college player. You know, people have pointed to Sox had a first round pick. I can't remember how many years ago it was now named Jared Mitchell. And during a spring training game where he'd already been sent down, he was called back up because the Sox had a split squad in Las Vegas and in Tempe, he went back on a fly ball and, crashed into the wall and I think tore a ligament in his left ankle and really was never the same after that. And, but the thing with Jared, and just in a small comparison is Jared played part-time baseball and part-time football at LSU. So that was a huge developmental loss right there. You know, I think all this does is kind of, you know, push the timetable back for Jake Berger looking at the major leagues a little, you know, a year or two. And I think he'll be able to work his way back. I know what you're saying about he's not a speed guy, but I think because of the fact that he's a pretty big dude who can who can get around the bases pretty well and has good moves over at third base. I think the biggest concern with him defensively was his accuracy, you know, throwing the ball. I think he is a really good athlete, and he certainly has the energy and the drive to to get to the big league. So I think it's just a, a, a blip, just like what Zach Birdie went through last year with the Tommy John surgery, and I think eventually you'll see both of those guys helping the White Sox at the big league level. Yeah, and you mentioned the college. So you would think that once he's back and healthy, he'll move pretty quickly. And at least that was the plan, I think, originally. So hopefully once he's back, that continues. Yeah, to he, he has, I mean, he has the earlier experience. You know, he's played baseball for a while. So it's just a, a matter of getting healthy and then going back after it. And I, I you know, just knowing the little bit I, that I do of Jake, I can't see where that would be an issue for him at all. Yeah, so hopefully uh, uh, as quick as it can be, a recovery for Jake Berger. Carlos Rodon um, obviously coming back from the shoulder surgery, and they announced it this week that uh, early June seems to be the timetable. I guess it's it's kind of an official timetable, but nothing surprising from that. Right, Scott? Yeah, when he when they announced the surgery after he had uh, – he was scratched from a start, I think, the day of, basically, and they, they sent Mike Pelfrey out there to pitch that night. And at the end of the season, Rick Hahn at his press conference announced that Carlos had – uh, arthroscopic surgery they set the timetable at that point at six to eight months and you know I, I think this is just I mean again I'm not there unfortunately but I think this is probably just to you know be upfront about this whole thing and avoid the every two weeks you know hey is Carlos going to get in a game hey is Carlos going to get in a game now you know he's working he's coming back you know at, at, when we saw him at Sox Fest he was in great spirits he got married this offseason and he had just been green lighted this was January 28th I believe to start a throwing program that that following Monday so he's moving forward as far as everyone knows. And, you know, I don't think the Sox would hide if he wasn't moving forward, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. And remember, you know, as much as good for the White Sox players, these young players have talked about they're going to be a surprise team this year and 
they could sneak into a playoff spot somehow. That that that's really not the featured goal in year two of the rebuild. It's more of a developmental process. Now again, Rick kind of said he doesn't want to dim anyone's thoughts and he doesn't dilute anyone's thoughts or wants them to keep focusing on doing the best they can. But that's why you're not seeing them going, you know, into the free agent market and adding veterans maybe in a spot or two where they can needed to truly push for that second wild card or first wild card or whatever. They're focused on letting guys develop and more so, you know, they, they want to be in it for the long run. They don't want to just jump up and try and contend next year and then screw up the process in that sense. So a long story to get to the point that there's no rush in Carlos Rodon. If he's ready the beginning of June, great. If he's ready the beginning of July, great. If he's ready after the All-Star break, that's fine. Again, it's, it's, you can sort of look at Carlos, like a, you look at the minor league guys that came up last year, Moncada, Giolito, Lopez. When they've hit all the, the marks, crossed off you know, all the boxes to get to the next level, that's when they'll be there. Only Carlos is not so much experience as it is you know, health reasons to get out there. And one of those guys that, as far as the prospects go, that there are a lot of eyes on, obviously, this spring is Michael Kopech. He was out for his first outing, and it went pretty well. Two innings pitch for Kopech. Uh, he gives up a couple of hits, but he strikes out three. Obviously, he's got the big-time velocity. And after the start, he spoke a little bit about how he felt about it, and he was pretty positive. Here you go. I felt like it was pretty good. Um, you know, there were situations where I got behind count and uh, – it gave me an opportunity to really work on my changeup and my uh, off-speed pitches, and I would I would throw it in those counts. Uh, two zero, I think three times I threw a changeup, and it gave me an opportunity to really, you know, focus on staying behind it and you know, getting a strike with that pitch. So I feel like it was a productive day, and uh, I'm okay with it. First time out for any starting pitcher in the spring. We don't really care about the numbers, Scott. It's more about them doing what they need to do. Sometimes they don't even throw certain pitches. Um, so it's you like to hear what they have to say about it because it's hard to judge these outings any other way. And it was interesting to hear him getting to talk about the off-speed stuff being important to him because obviously he has that fastball. Yeah, that's something that's been in his mind this whole offseason. We saw him at a... Before Sox even began, he made an appearance with a couple other players at the Ronald McDonald House here in downtown Chicago. And one of the reporters asked him, you know, what are you looking for this spring training? And one of the first things he said was working on the changeup, working on the off-speed stuff. We know he's got an electric fastball. We know he can hit three digits pretty consistently with that fastball. But, again, it's, it, it's kind of going back to what Rodon was like when he first came up, is that was the big thing. Everyone knew he had this wipeout slider. He had a fastball that could touch 100, you know, in certain instances, but certainly in the in the mid to high 90s. But it was adding that changeup in that kind of, you know, was going to make him the complete pitcher. And Kopech knows that. And, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse here on, on Kopech in that, you know, he had, what, three starts at AAA Charlotte last year. Obviously, he's got big league stuff right now. But, again, he's going to start the year, barring something thoroughly unexpected, start with triple a charlotte and you know i think sort of like the path that ronaldo lopez traveled last year get his time down there get 18 20 starts and really you know get prime for the next level and he understands that you know he he feels like he can go there now but he readily admits he's earned nothing and it's not his call but he said that he wants when he gets up there he doesn't want to be overwhelmed he doesn't want to feel like he you know he's not ready to do what he's doing he feels like he is right now but again it's, it's a good first step hard to read too much into any of the cactus league starts you know good or bad but it's it's a good first step i think for him and reinforcing what he talked about 
that he was doing in the offseason bullpens, that he was throwing changeups and throwing off-speed pitches and liked where, how they looked at that point. One guy that's impressed so far this spring, uh, in you talk about the outfield mix, is Ryan Cordell. Aloy Jimenez, as I mentioned, sore knee, but day-to-day, uh, nothing too serious there, I think. But Ryan Cordell um, is a guy that he's even taken some grounders at third base, but he was part of that Swarzak trade with the Brewers. He was on the DL at the time, so nobody really got a chance to see him. Um, but he's 25 years old, so a little bit older, and he's taken this spot and chance with the White Sox and so far run with it. You know, in talking to a few people, you know, cl- close to the White Sox and with the White Sox, the center field job looked a lot like it was going to be Angle, Tilson, Charlie Tilson, Adam Angle, and Leary Garcia. And I know uh, Ricky Renteria, the White Sox manager, has talked to reporters at camp about they really like Leori Garcia for his ability to play all over the place. So I think he's going to be the guy who's going to be getting, you know, 350, 400 bats, assuming he stays with the White Sox all year in a number of different positions because he can play everywhere. I think he's a natural shortstop originally. You know, Charlie Tilson, due to injuries, and God bless the kid for fighting through him, has not played in an actual game, not counting Cactus League or Instructional League or Arizona Fall League, since 2016, the one game he played after getting traded from the Cardinals to the White Sox where he uh, tore his hamstring. So I would guess, even with a great camp, he's going to start at Triple H Hard just to build up some at-bats. And, you know, uh, Cordell was another guy who had not played a lot recently because he was hurt, and I would think that he would start, you know, the season at Charlotte again to build up more at-bats. But he is, from what I've heard and what I've read, and Richard Justice just wrote about this, that, you know, he's looked good and he's played some center. Now, the thing with Adam Engel is I I would list him as a favorite because his defense was elite last year. His defense even in a short time, was gold glove caliber up there in the ranks of, you know, Mookie Betts and Byron Buxton and all that. His offense was not. And he understood that, and he worked hard in the offseason on that offense. But, I mean, you, you, you don't need Adam Engel to hit 290 and drive in 60 runs or whatever it is, but you can't have him hit, well, I think it was like 165 last year with 111 strikeouts and like 19 walks. That can't happen either. So he knows. He knows it's got to get better, and I still think, He's the leader at that position just because of what he brings defensively, and you're not talking about a starting staff or really a bullpen that's loaded with strikeout guys right now. So by the fact that he plays a little shallower, he takes away hits on pitchers' pitches too. But it's interesting to see Cordell kind of emerge in the first couple of weeks of spring training as someone that has drawn you know, the eye of the White Sox evaluators out there in Arizona. Great stuff, Scott. We appreciate you playing Hurt this week, and hopefully that back no feels problem. better soon. I hope so too. Thanks. All right, this has been MOB.com Extras, our White Sox edition. For Scott Merkin, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.